Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. We're always prepared to give the gospel. That's what we're living for. That's why, that's why we're at war. That's why we're in a battle because we're progressing the, the ministry of the God. We're telling people about the Lord everywhere we go, every opportunity we get. That's what we're trying to do. We stay ready to do that. Something you could ask yourself is, why is being ready to present the gospel armor? How does that protect you, right? There's, let me just say, there's some things you won't do when you're prepared to share the gospel. Putting on the full armor of God takes intentionality. In the book of 2 Corinthians, the analogy of war is fitting in the realm of spiritual warfare as well. When you're in Christ, you'll be targeted by Satan, his demons, and the world. Christ is their enemy. That's why, as Pastor Bill discusses today, all of the spiritual armor mentioned in these verses is vital. Not only the offensive weapons, but also the defensive and preventative ones as well. Be bold for Christ and well-equipped lest the world take you down. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Ephesians chapter 6 as he begins his message, Stand Your Ground. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, verses 3 through 6, and it says this, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God to pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And so we're reminded there that um, our war is not a physical war, it's a spiritual war. Therefore, our weapons are not physical weapons, they're spiritual weapons. Because we don't war against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, if you find yourself always fighting with folks, then you know you're fighting the wrong battle, right? If you're always into it with this person and fighting with a coworker and battling with your husband or wife and you know battling with other Christians, if that's what your war looks like, know that you're fighting the wrong battle. I can't be at war with people because it's told me, you know, that, that, that they're not they're not flesh and blood, but they're principalities and power. And so, when it comes to the armor of God, um, you know, and I think we've all heard the armor of God taught. And I've heard people say things like, you know, every day I put on my armor. Some people, you know, pray over the armor. I'm going to pray to put the armor on. I was really wanting to look at this practically. How do you put on the armor of God? We'll look at each piece and we know that it's the, you know, we got the, the belt and the breastplate and the, you know, shield and the feet shod and the helmet and the sword. But how practically do you actually, how do you put this stuff on? Because uh, I think, you know, if someone says, I'm going to put it on by just declaring it over myself. I've heard that where someone just speaks it over themselves. I speak this, that and the other. I'm, and we'll talk about that in a moment. There's no power in speaking over yourself. It just doesn't work that way. So um, <laughs> so uh, any more that you can speak wealth into your pocket, you know, because if you can speak wealth into your pocket, please do it and give me some. Um, you, you can't speak the armor on, you know. Uh, it takes um, it takes more than that. So I want us to know practically how to do that because it's really important. We do want to put the whole armor on and we're told that you need to put on the whole armor. And I want to say that as we go through each piece of the armor, understand that you need each one, that you can't have one and not the other. You need the whole armor. It says put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand against the enemy and having done all the stand. So now look at Ephesians chapter six. Verse 13 says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God 
that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. And now verse 14, it says, stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. When it says stand, therefore, if you look that up in the Amplified, it says stand, therefore, it says hold your ground. And the idea of standing in the spiritual battle is that we are holding our ground. And um, something I want you to notice as we go through this is the offensive nature, like the position of the believer is one where we're going for it. We're doing something. So um, some people would listen to a series or a study on warfare and they're like, I don't, I don't really I'm like, I have much warfare going on. It might be because you're not really engaged in the battle in any kind of a way. But as you engage in the battle, if you're one that's sharing the gospel, you're going to have warfare. If you're trying to make disciples, you're going to have warfare. If you're trying to lead other people out of darkness into the light, you're going to have warfare. If you're trying to disciple your kids to know Jesus, you're going to have warfare. That's where the battles come. That's where the enemy comes against. And so if you're just kind of living a hunky-dory life, doing what you want to do and living carnal and fleshly, you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm no warfare at all. It might be because Satan's like, you just, you're fine right where you're at. Just keep doing what you're doing. I would be more bothered and more afraid if there were no battle. There was no, Satan didn't kick up any dust. Sometimes the indicator that we're on the right trail is when, you know, the enemy kicks up some dust. As you are taking ground from the enemy, that's where the war oftentimes will kick up, right? So stand therefore. And again, if you, if you want to write down, what does it mean to stand there? It means to hold your ground. Hold your position. Hold your place. Don't give up any ground to the enemy. Right. Everybody here that's a believer, you have taken ground. God's taken ground in your personal life. Right. God's taken ground maybe in your, your ministry to your family. God is through you as the Lord has taken hold of your life. God's begun to take ground back. And so many of us, before we got saved, there were bondages, there were addictions, there were things that had a grip. And as you've given your life to the Lord, God's taken ground. And he's saying, now stand, therefore, hold your ground. Don't give up ground to the enemy. Don't give back what God has taken. You hold your ground. You keep what you got. And you, because we're, we're, I'm gonna keep what I got and I'm trying to go a little further. I'm, I'm trying to move forward, but we're not going backward. So the first thing he says is having girded your waist with truth. And so uh, we call it, many of us call it the belt of truth. Um, but it says having your waist girded with truth. And so the idea there was the, uh, the picture of the Roman soldier, many people believe, because where's Paul at when he writes this? He's in prison, in a Roman prison, by the way. So many people think that Paul was probably in prison looking at the Roman guards. It was like, you know what? This, you know, he's just writing about the armor of God that he may be getting the idea. He may be getting inspiration as he's looking at the Roman soldiers that are there, his captives. Right. Rather than being in prison complaining, you know, he didn't write a letter saying to my how he hate the Romans and he hates their, their, their garb. He just said, you know, that. Their robes are held up with this belt. He says the truth is what holds us up, right? Have, having your, your waist girded about with truth. And so here's the idea of truth. And, and I, I'll explain how we put each thing on. We're going to be true with each thing. How do you put on truth, right? How do, if I'm going to put on the armor of God, I need to put on truth. First of all, what, what truth are we talking about? I believe that what he has in mind here is the truth of God's word, the truth of the gospel, and that we would stand in the truth, right? It's not enough to know the truth. But we got to stand in the truth. Paul is literally in prison writing this letter for doing what? Standing in the truth. He knew the truth. He could have shut up about the truth and not been here. 
He could have relaxed a little bit about the truth and not been. He's here because he's standing in the truth. No, Jesus is the only way. No, this is the truth of the gospel. Yes, he did raise from the dead. You can't be. I mean, Paul is in prison right there because he knew and he stand. He's standing in the truth. And so as a believer, we're living in a day and age where the truth that we believe is going to be less and less. It's, it's not popular now. It's going to be less and less and less popular. And people are going to. What do you think about this? Right. What do you if you think what the Bible thinks? And you say what the Bible thinks to be very unpopular. And there are going to be some people that begin to relax the truth, that they start to, to fall away from the truth. There are ministers today that do not stand in the truth. They won't stand in the truth of God's word on, on issues that are just they're black and white. They're clear as day in the word of God. That's a sin. If you live that as a lifestyle, you'll go to hell when you're done. Um, their guys are like, well, you know, we don't know. Well, you know, we just, you know, everybody gets to choose for themselves. You know, you can just, just do what you want. Um, that's not standing in the truth, is it? And so we need to know that because it's going to become more and more it's unpopular to do so. There'll be pressures to not stand in the truth. And God says, look, have your waist girded about with truth. How, how do I, God, how do I put on truth? You got to know the truth and you stand in it. I think the most important truth that we can stand in is, is, is the truth of the gospel, the truth about how a person can be saved, uh, the truth that there is no other way to salvation except through Jesus Christ, and that we would stand in that truth, that we would know it, believe it, share it, and never waver from that truth. Uh, but that's not the only truth. Everything in God's word is truth. And he says, look, part of, part of preparing to, to go to battle and being able to stand your ground is you got to stand in the truth. And so here's a nugget for all of us to consider. If I'm going to stand in the truth, I got to know the truth. It means that everybody here needs to be spending time in God's word, right? Because that's where truth comes from. God reveals his truth to us through his word. And so when I'm trying to sort out, you know, what's right, what's wrong, I don't go to the news. I don't go to this. I go to the word of God and let the word of God tell me what's right or wrong. And so, so we start off here having your waist girded about with truth. You're going to find with each piece of armor, um, that we look at, the way that you put it on is you stand in it, right? It's not your knowledge of it. It's not confessing it. It's standing in the truth. That's how you put on truth. And so the opposite of standing in the truth, as an example, would be what Peter did. Pre-Pentecost Peter, I like to say. Um, you know, when, you know, he got confronted about being with the disciples. He's, no, no, I don't, I don't know him. No, yes, you do know him. You sound just like one of them. No, I don't know him. And he cursed and denied that he even knew Jesus. He didn't stand in the truth. What caused him to not stand in the truth at that moment? Fear, which is the same thing that will cause us to not stand in the truth. Don't be afraid, guys. Don't be afraid to stand in the truth. Stand in the truth, especially when it's unpopular. That's part of putting on your armor. Stand in the truth. So next, so he says, having girded your waist with truth. And it says, um, having put on the breastplate of righteousness as the, the belt of truth would hold up a guy's, you know, back then they had these robe type things. It would gird him up so he can go to battle. Uh, the breastplate would, it would cover all your, your vital organs here. And so it's called the, ble- the breastplate of righteousness. Now, I don't believe that this is speaking of our righteousness for salvation. I believe that this is speaking of practical righteousness. And so everybody here, if you're born again, you have a position of righteousness before the Lord, right? You've been forgiven. You've been God. God has made you righteous through Jesus Christ. That's that's a position of righteousness that we have. That's been afforded to you and I by Jesus Christ. That's important. But there's another aspect of righteousness that I believe is important as we battle, and it's our practical righteousness. What does that mean? 
It means that you have a right standing with the Lord. You guys know it's possible to be positionally righteous. You're saved, but you're living in a very unrighteous way. And what happens to the Christian that's living in, an, in a way that's not right? Um, their conscience is messed up. They, they know, you know, you got believers that are not living right. They know they're in a weakened position. They're in a vulnerable place. They, they walk around with guilt and shame because they know I'm not supposed to be living like this and I'm living like this. That's a weakened position for the believer. And so when he says to, to have on the breastplate of righteousness, this is your, your practical righteousness. And I'm going to read a, a quote. It says, when a man is clothed in practical righteousness, he is impregnable. Words are no defense against accusation, but a good life is. If our conscience is void of offense towards God and man, the devil has nothing to shoot at. And so when you get a man that, or woman uh, that's living right before the Lord, you know, you can't. How do you bring them down? You can't accuse them. Satan can't throw accusations against them. They know like, no, I'm, I'm walking right before the Lord. I'm I stand strong in this thing right here. Anybody ever been accused of something? You definitely didn't do it. Right. You stand up a little different. Right. And it's like, no, you, I know I didn't do that. Get the camera. Go, you know, did the lie detector, take my finger, take my whatever you got to do. Like you, you just stand a little different. But anybody been accused of something that you did do? Don't don't answer. Don't answer. <laughs> a little different. You, you stand down. Right. You stand a little weaker. If you know you're guilty. Right. And it's it's being called upon or whatever. You, you stand a little different. You know, I remember in in my junior high school, some of us had got a hold of the keys. The principal was pregnant. And she went out pregnant. And so uh, one of the kids that was, you know, counted worthy to go do the flag, you know, because he was a good kid. You know, um, we got the keys from him and went to the key place and got keys made. And so a couple of us kids had keys to the different rooms at school. And so, you know, we were having fun with that for half the school year. But then the word got out. And I remember and they did it real slick uh, how, you know, they, they it ended up getting put mostly on me, even though I wasn't the only one with the keys. But I got called into an office, and now the keys are in my pocket. I didn't think when I got called to the office it was for that. I thought it was for something else that had happened. So I'm in the office with the keys in my pocket, and they asked me, I mean, I'm standing there. There's a principal. There's my mom and my dad who aren't together, which is a bad sign for them to both be at the school. And they're like, do you have keys? And it's like, hmm, <laughs> keys to what? For what, you know, I mean, I, did I stand bold? No, I, in my pocket. They made empty your pockets. I'm trying to pull out one thing. that No, pull them all the way out. Pull them all the way out. And I got keys. I got other stuff I'm supposed to have. Just, yeah. In that instance, I couldn't stand. And I had to have a right standing. And so when they asked me, I probably looked, you know, guilty when they asked me, you know, do you have keys? Oh, no. Oh, I feel hot all of a sudden. I feel faint. You know, I got to run to the bathroom or something. You know, I was just busted in your spiritual life. Like you don't you don't want to be walking around like that. That's a weakened place as a believer. God wants you to stand in righteousness. That means that as you walk right with the Lord, as you're living in obedience to God, the enemy is going to hurl things, you know, accusations. Somebody may say something about you, but you'll be able to stand firm like, no, it's not. That's not the case. That's not how we're living now. We're, we're definitely moving in this direction with the Lord. You want to be able to stand in practical righteousness. And so that is the breastplate of righteousness in the same way that a breastplate would guard a man's vital organs from attack. A right standing with God will guard you from 
accusations, from lies, from this, that, and the other. Something that was so important at the, where I used to work at, you know, the church I used to work at, they, for all the pastors, they, they had all these things. There were, ex, there were extra rules for pastors, and they were saying, because we don't want you to be, we don't want you to be accusable, right? We're, we're going to just believe right up front that you're not doing certain things, right? That you guys are faithful to your wives, that you guys are, but, you know, because people will make accusations, you guys want to make sure you don't put yourself in a position where you could be accused. And so there are rules. Don't ever be alone with another woman that's not your wife or daughter, ever, for any reason, period. Just don't do it because um, you could be accused, you know. And so don't get caught in a meeting. You know, if, if somebody's lingering behind, keep a wife around or keep another woman present. You know, if, if you meet in the office, let the door be open. Um, and even stuff like I remember I, I drove by I'm on my way to church and, um, and I'd see somebody and, I, you know, if it was a guy, I would have picked him up. Hey, give me your ride. But it's a girl. So it's like, I feel so bad just saying, hi, bye. <laughs> like, I can't pick you up. I can't, you can't, I'm not going to be in the car with a woman that's not my I just can't be, you know, you don't want to give that kind of opportunity. You don't want people to suspect. Um, you don't want to be able to be accused. And so you just don't put yourself in certain situations. So you can stand in righteousness. God, no, I'm not doing nothing like that. You know, there's no not that we're not doing it and we don't leave room to be accused of doing it. And so the breastplate of righteousness, we want to be able. How do you put that on? Again, same way you put on truth, you stand in the truth, you stand in practical righteousness, a right walk, a right standing with the Lord. Um, Now, look at verse 15. It says, stand, therefore, having I'm sorry, verse 15 says and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And so next, the, the idea of your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the Roman soldier had these shoes that were like track cleats. Anybody here that ever ran track, you know, they got the little cleats with the spikes on the bottom um, to give them grip. They had they had footing that had spikes in it so they could, it was for footing. It was so that when they were fighting or attack, they could kind of keep their ground, they could, they could hold their ground in the dirt. And it says, when it says having your feet shod, with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the idea here is that we're living in such a way where, God, we're prepared. We're always prepared to give the gospel. That's what we're living for. That's why, that's why we're at war. That's why we're in a battle, because we're progressing the, the ministry of the God. We're telling people about the Lord everywhere we go, every opportunity we get. That's what we're trying to do. We stay ready to do that. And something you could ask yourself is, why is being ready to present the gospel armor? How does that protect you? Right. There's let me just say there's some things you won't do when you're prepared to share the gospel. There's some things you won't fall into when your motive is I'm here to share the gospel. There's some mess that you're not going to get wrapped up in when you're saying, God, you sent me here to be the person to present the gospel. And while everybody else may be jumping off into this and that, I know I'm here on another assignment. I can't be getting wrapped up in that. It has a way of purifying your life when you know I'm on this assignment. I'm here to be a witness. I'm here to share the gospel. Um, I want my life to not contradict the words that I'm eventually going to speak. And so my feet are shod with the preparation. I'm living prepared to share the gospel in my neighborhood, at my job, wherever you go. It's not something we just do here, but just that you're living that way. It'll purify your life. It's it, In that sense, it's a defense and an offense. God, I'm ready to do this. I'm staying ready to do it. And so uh, I would ask you guys to consider, you know, look at the wherever you go in the places that you're in. Do you do you feel like man, we stay ready to do this at all times? I'm positioned at any moment. If the opportunity came, bam, I could jump in with the gospel. Um, some people feel very 
very hindered because of their way they've lived before people. They're like, oh, man, I don't, I'm not going to say nothing because they know they ain't lived no kind of life at all. And so don't be that person. Have your feet shod. Right. Stand in a way that says I'm prepared at any moment to present the gospel to somebody else um, and make sure that you're, pre- you're prepared to do that to turn a conversation Godward, you know, and have a gospel-centered conversation. For some Christians, they never share the gospel with anybody. We're looking for that opportunity to turn this situation into a situation where God's going to be glorified. God can get the glory. And so having our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, again, we're, we, we're, we're positioned, we're ready. And I want you to note with each piece of the armor, and I always say this, right? Every piece of the armor is, is frontward, right? Because God never intends for us to stop. God never intends for us to turn away. He never intends for us to back off. And so for you guys, it may be enduring harsh warfare. Uh, maybe it's heavy and it's just, man, the attack is strong upon your life. What the enemy wants you to do is to just quit. That's the only way you lose, you guys. The only way we lose in the spiritual battle is if you quit. Otherwise, God will fight for you if you'll stay in. But if you quit, It's like, you know, if you quit and you surrender, there's nothing to protect the backside. There's no part of the armor to protect you from behind. Every piece of the armor, the intent is that as you're going forward, guys, as you're going forward, as you're walking, standing in the truth, as you're standing in positional righteousness, as you're prepared with the sharing of the gospel, God says, just just keep going in that same direction. I'm going to be granting you power. I'm going to grant you victory as you continue to move forward because it'll never be our strength that brings us into victory. It'll be his strength through us. Amen. Amen. So moving on, our feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Verse 16 says, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And so the the Romans soldiers would have a shield. uh, And even when times of battle, if if arrows are being thrown, they would actually link their shields together. Um, And some of these shields were actually because the darts were fiery. They would be, you know, shields were dampened so it it could quench you know, and put out the fiery darts of the enemy. So he says, what does that in the believer's life? Faith. Faith will will quench the fiery darts. And what are the fiery darts? It's interesting. The word for fiery, uh, the Greek word is the same root word that we get uh, uh, pornography from. And the idea is this can be thoughts, right? Fiery darts can come. Anybody ever been attacked in your own mind? In your own mind, just as you, you might be praying, you might be even doing a holy thing. You might be preparing. I've, I've had times where I'm trying to prepare studies and then just bad thoughts, wicked thoughts, wrong thoughts. And it's like, so is it, is it a sin to have a wrong thought? Where's the sin come in? When you dwell on it, when you entertain it, right? Uh, you think a negative thought or a mean thought towards somebody, you're like, yeah. Yeah, you just run with it. Now, you, now, now it's yours. Now you're, you're taking possession. You're taking ownership. We're, we're casting down every imagination and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. We're not, we're not taking it in. And so the enemy will be faithful, guys. Darts can come. It might be directly from the enemy. I want to discourage you. I want to I put this down. Anybody that's tried to do a work for God, I, I'm sure, you know, because you're, as you're stepping out to do something God said do, that your faith gets attacked. I mean, I told you guys when we got this place and I came back and the windows were all busted. I was like, but God, I had to go back to the word. I had a word from the Lord. I had to go. I went back so many times to the verses that God spoke to me. 
I'm like, I had to just remind myself that I'm only doing this because you said do it, God. This is your problem. Them is your windows got broken. You got to get them things fixed, you know. This is your building that's all here. You got to fix this place up. And I needed that because if I had gone out in my word, I can't have faith in my word. That's all we have time for today on A Transforming Word. Thanks for tuning in. Pastor Bill Buffington has been teaching through the book of Ephesians, and we pray that it's been eye-opening for you. In this book, Paul explains that it doesn't matter where you come from or what you look like. What matters is that Christ unites us as one. In Jesus, we all belong. Do you ever let differences hinder you from having genuine relationships? Do you let cultures or skin color get in the way of Christ-like living? Paul knew that although differences can be difficult to process, unity is the heart of God. To be one with each other is to be one with the Father. We hope you continue to learn more from this book and we encourage you to read ahead on your own. If you're interested in hearing additional teachings from Pastor Bill, you can find them on our website at calvaryinglewood.org. We'd be happy to meet you too. If you live in the Inglewood area or happen to be passing through, come join us for worship this weekend. You can get service times and location information at calvaryinglewood.org. You'll even find links to stream our services if you're unable to be with us in person. And you can catch up on previous messages online. That website again is calvaryinglewood.org. Before you go, we want you to know that we're grateful to have you as part of our listening audience. We pray you continue to seek Jesus in all you do. Thanks again for joining us. And be sure to catch us next time right here on A Transforming Word. Oh, 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 oh